Yo, right now, in the galaxy that we live in, it is a period of civil war among Star Wars fans everywhere. Some people think The Last Jedi is a new hope for the franchise, driving it forward into places unknown, while other people think that the movie is complete trash. What do we think? Keep listening to find out. I'm Cooley, and this is the Redbeard Podcast. Podcast is brought to you by these cool dudes. And we're back. What's up, y'all? Yo, what's going on? Tony. Hi. Tony. Yeah. Jim. Hello. Ren. Hello to you. And Cooley. The Hello. gang's all here. Hello to you. <laughs> we are we are all present and accounted for. Hell yeah. Yeah. So what's what's good, people? Like what's what's new? Uh cr- Christmas just passed and it was awesome. Dude, Did what'd you get? I got uh I got a, a mini NES and a mini Sega Genesis. Fuck yeah. Yeah, dude. I am very excited because it was something that I'd never asked for, but was pleasantly surprised when I opened it up. So I'm pretty excited to actually uh, mess around with that next week. I got like a week vacation. Mm-hmm. So I'm pumped to kind of play with that. And um yeah, and on Christmas Day I found out I was going to a Celtics game. So that was fun. We lost, but it was fun. So yeah. Like I, I- I those that's awesome man like I got these gloves right yeah. these gloves are pretty dope then they're, they're not super warm because mm-hmm. it's like fucking like one degree outside right now oh. it is um but they have these fingertips that they the fingertips are like conductive so like I can use my phone right that's awesome um except they're not super accurate so it makes it really fucking hard to text while I'm driving <laughs> um so there's that but but it they're, they're awesome I love these gloves they they're, look like super duty isotoners they yeah, are. Yeah. They are like isotoners. They All are. Right, man. Very good call out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that what, was accurate. How was your Christmas, Jim? It was great. It was a lot of money, whiskey, and way too many pajama bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even ask for them, and I got five pairs. <laughs> I got I got a pair of pajama pajama bottoms. They call Fijays, and they have like the feet in them. The footies. Uh, yeah, they're called Fijays. Does the, <laughs> That's amazing. I've does the back this. open so that you can leave it on when you poop? No. <laughs> oh man. Kind of wish that they did. It's not a. It's not a onesie though. It's just the pants. Oh, like a whole Teletubbies outfit. <laughs> it's just the pants. <laughs> That's still awfully cool. Yeah, I thought so. How about you? It's pretty good. Yeah. I got a lot of Halloween decorations. Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. Yo, that is That's dope, <laughs> My mom works at Home Depot and she's like, you have your own house now. You love Halloween. Here's literally every single Halloween decoration from November 1st on clearance. Oh my God. Yo, how fly is that though to get like the the decorations for another holiday on, on a Christmas holiday. on a holiday? Yeah, yeah like that's your definitely. present. <laughs> Did you get one of those? Did you get any like inflatables for the front lawn? No, I got a jumping spider though. One of those big spiders <laughs> that you walk by and it jumps out at you. And I'm like, cool. The cat will not love this at all. No, that's awesome. Did that's you ask awesome. for these? No. 
<laughs> but, but you're we're happy pleasantly you surprised. Yeah, and like one of those huge IKEA like bags that they give you to shop with. Yeah, I yeah, have yeah. a huge one of those just full of decorations. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Yo, something. Oh, Jim had something to say. I was just waving to oh. Tony's wife, who's <laughs> entering the room. Hey, Watch. Becca. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> she sticks her hand out and waves. She's signaling hi back. Um, um, so, something that we all got for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I got mine a little early. Some of y'all got them a little late. Uh, Star Wars, Episode Eight. Hell yeah. We all saw uh, it. Yeah, we all saw it. We all have our thoughts and opinions, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we're kind of just going to go around the table and figure out, you know, how we felt and, like, start with the positive stuff. Like, give me the good stuff first. Uh, Jim. Good stuff. Yes. Um, I liked that they brought it to a casino planet. I think that might be a little <laughs> random. I'm, I, I know that's, okay. <laughs> no, please. That's fine. I'm a big gambler. I, I know that the bar on Tatooine from A New Hope is classic mm-hmm. because it has all those kind of scummy aliens there. Right. And I feel like that's what we received in this casino from another world is you have all of these kind of sleazy characters spending away their money, most of them who are selling uh, vehicles and ammunition to both the New Water and the Rebels. I thought that was kind of cool. It was kind of like the equal but opposite of what the the cantina was because the, the cantina was just yes. straight thugs. Like of course, cantina. The worst, uh, the what is it, the most vile pit of scum and villainy mm-hmm. in the galaxy, right? Like and that's I, what it is. I didn't get that vibe from the casino world. Well, but I think the casino is it's still the vile. It's just the vile that have been able to truly turn it into a profit. Right. They're more a little more educated. A little more glamorous. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Ren. Uh, I would have to say a positive of the film is some of the best like battle scenes in any of the Star Wars t- films to date. Like the lightsaber fight in the throne room was fantastic, and then um, the battleship fight and was it crate? Was that? I think. Was yes. It? Yeah. Okay. It was like I don't even remember. Um, that was fantastic too. That was really really good. Word word. Yeah. So for me, um, I think one of the coolest uh, or one of the best parts of the movie for me, one of my favorite things was probably one of the coolest death scenes I've seen in a while. The way that Snoke went down, Mm. where they use the force to turn the lightsaber, cut him in half. And in the background, you see his torso fall. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought that was epic because I did not expect him to go out that early. I didn't I thought, expect him to die at all. Thank you. I was same thing. I was like, oh, this guy's going to be around for like a couple more movies. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he like when they were turning the lightsaber, I thought like he, he already knew about it. It was going to stop it. Right. But the fact that he actually was unaware and Kylo Ren got one over him, I thought was awesome. It was like the apprentice taking down the master. Right. So I thought that was just a cool moment. Uh, and it really shows us like. I think where Kylo Ren stands as a character mm-hmm. uh, is that like he's making some strides as far as like being aware of the force and, and thinking ahead, like thinking so, so far ahead that like the master wasn't even ready for that. Right. You know, so that was, that was probably one of my favorite parts of one of the things I liked about the movie. Like he used his brain. 
That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It yeah, was like awesome. It wasn't just it wasn't just brute force. It wasn't it wasn't the what we were used to from him, like with him like raging out and just like lashing out with his anger and mm-hmm. it, it it literally he took a pause and he thought about something and he and he did it the smart way. And like yeah, and like even though he's a conflicted character, I feel like in that moment he made the right choice. Mm-hmm. Which which I thought was cool too. So um for me, uh I'm going a little bit like underneath the surface and just saying like, I like the fact that he used this to get some messages across. Yeah. Um, like there, there's a lot to unpack in this movie. And for me, it was like the second time around, it's like, it was like, Oh, I see what you were trying to tell me here. Oh, I, yep. You were trying to tell me something else here. Like every, everything that he did in this movie was something like, I mean, like you had the message of just using failure as the, as a lesson, right? Like, and what you do with that failure is what matters. Not the fact that you failed. Uh, there's the, the message that dude, like perspective is everything Mm -hmm. like the whole, like with Kylo and, and Ray, like their interactions with each other and like what they saw in the future, they both saw the same future, Mm -hmm. like them fighting together, like back to back and, you know, getting each other's back and like, you know, just being a, a team, but they saw it from different sides of the, of the fence. Like she thought that he was coming over to join the light side and he thought that she was just joining him and like taking the the first order over and you know trying to forge ahead and you know rule the galaxy together and that just both of them were wrong like mm-hmm. dead wrong but it was just totally a matter of perspective so perspective is everything and there was just so much more and it's that movie was just super deep and i appreciated that from like a uh, a viewer's perspective mm-hmm. uh just the writing just was thoughtful like there was a lot of thought put into it I agree, definitely. What else you got, Jim? Like, what, what's another one? Sure. Oh, I loved this. Absolutely loved it. When Laura Dern, who plays Vice Admiral, Admirable, uh, I can't say it, Vice Admiral Hodo, <laughs> when she turned around the ship and decided to do the hyperdrive oh, yeah, right awesome. through the uh, the new yes. world, the New Order's fleet. Loved it. Everything about it. Just the idea. Uh, mm-hmm. That's how she went out is extremely heroic. Also, just the sound, how everything just got completely quiet. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the sound barrier gets broken. I thought the visually it was stunning. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was such a giant like scene. Yeah, it was. It was I, That was pretty cool. And I actually... Uh, knew going into that, Don had pointed it out to me. We walked in. He was like, "Hey, it says there's there's a sign that says there's 10 minutes of silence, and it's completely normal. So just be aware that that's gonna happen." And I forgot about it. And then like when it went silent, when that scene, I was like, "Oh, it's the sound barrier." And I thought that was pretty awesome how they did that. So I, I yeah, that was pretty cool as well. I agree with you on that. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Yep, I, I absolutely agree with you too. I mean, that scene was epic like i legit i was silent like i was just my mouth was just open i'm like looking at the screen and i'm like that is like the best it was just like such a creative use of you know the jump to light speed um super dope mm-hmm. um one of my favorite things was that this film wasn't as predictable as i thought it was going to be like the whole general snoke thing i didn't expect him to die and then for the last two years, we've been rumoring who Ray's parents were. And then it was like, haha, they're nobodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was really great because 
one of my least favorite things ever as someone who's worked in a comic book store is like fanboys being like, well, I think it's so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then you're like, so good, they're nobodies. <laughs> yeah. I loved that. I like the unpredictability of the film. Yeah, like it, it didn't. So one of the things that people didn't like about The Force Awakens is that it was a predictable movie. Like mm-hmm. everything was kind of like a copy of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. And this film wasn't a copy of anything like i i saw complete like originality throughout the whole thing so it was completely unpredictable like from scene to scene i had no idea what was going to happen yeah um so i I, yeah i'm with you on that i think for me another thing that i really enjoyed um i I think it it might be a scene that everybody enjoyed was just when uh luke skywalker walks out and like kylo ren just like blasts him with everything they got and like i think everybody knew that like he wasn't going to be affected by it Everybody had their own theories, but when he just like walks out of every, out of the smoke, just untouched, it was just such a cool moment, you know, because it's mm-hmm. like, it's Luke Skywalker. You know what I mean? Like he is Star Wars. So like you think that like you're going to be able to take him down, like it's not a thing, you know? And so when mm-hmm. he walked out, it was just, there, there actually was a moment where it was silent in the theater. Um, and I literally just was like, I out loud, like Don heard me, but I was like, I just went baller. And like Don actually, and Don actually like laughed that he's like, dude, your timing on that was epic. And I was just like, well, it's like, what else can you say when he, when Luke Skywalker is that badass? Um, I mean, there's some, the only thing that I will say I, I, I did not care for in that one moment as well was I think we could have gone without the, the brushing on the shoulder. I feel like that was a little too like of a modern day reference where I feel like it would have been just as powerful if not more if he just emerged from the dust and and did not do have to do anything right you know what i mean but that's but overall great scene i 100 percent agree with you mm-hmm. i was gonna bring up that topic i was gonna be a little nitpicky but i was gonna say it was a it was kind of a weird kind of jay-z reference to brush the dirt off his shoulders mm. and the whole uh cinema the whole audience seemed to love it when I, when i went and i kind of sat there going really was this <laughs> Was it that hysterical that this happened? <laughs> right, right, right. So, all right, yeah. Uh, something that another thing that I really liked was uh, Benicio del Toro, DJ, the character yeah. DJ. Yeah, I Yo, love Benicio. The only motherfucker that can make a stutter cool, right? <laughs> like, because right. like that was like he was like he was such a cool character, so like laid back. He had like freaking like ice running through his veins like nothing like nothing bothered him Mm -hmm. and he had like the most ridiculous stutter but it was like (laughs) it was like it was like so what like he's still one of the coolest friggin' dudes in the galaxy (laughs) i got the impression that like he had ice like, like he didn't care about anything because he was probably drunk the entire time like that's kind of what i got you know what i mean but yeah he just like did not keep, St- yeah he just didn't, chill yeah mm-hmm. you know gave no fucks i think he that character kind of threw me off though because i went into that movie not even like knowing that he was in it so mm-hmm. when i saw him i was like oh he's in this and yeah. then it was just like the whole movie i was like he kept reminding me that he was in it so it was kind of like taking me out of it but i was like okay he's in this though yeah mm-hmm. it, was, it was weird i just didn't expect to see him Dude, like, i feel you yeah he yeah, he kind of he kind of made that like casino scene for me. Like it was him that made that scene for me. Like everything else I could have like, you know, take it or leave it, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. like him showing up and him being like the guy that they get to help them out. 
he he was the Lando Calrissian of this movie, and and he he did the whole betrayal thing that right. Lando Calrissian did, and like so you can kind of say it it kind of called back to Empire Strikes Back, but they did it in such a unique way that you don't draw the parallel immediately. Exactly, and you and Ren were talking about uh, the unpredictability of this movie, and that kind of goes towards Finn and the woman went to this casino in search of the man with that red flower. Yeah. Emblem, right. And he turned out to just be a nobody. Well, mm-hmm. actually that dude, that dude was actually the master code breaker. Oh, I'm sure he was, uh, but that's, he ends up but not being felt, the one that they it use. It felt very misleading yeah. mm-hmm. that you were kind of waiting for him to show back up later on in the movie, and he's actually a significant actor. I'm sure that's uh that's uh Justin Thoreau. Uh, oh from, yeah, he wa- it was. That was the dude from uh, the Leftovers. Yep. I didn't he's even great. dawn on me mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Yeah, he got had a little cameo. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like you get you get somebody like that to to play this guy that's ultimately no one, like you said. It's like it, that's also part of the misleading nature of it is that you're, you're looking at this guy. He's an actor that you've seen before. You recognize him. And you're like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna be the guy, and he's just not the guy. <laughs> yeah, until they meet up with Benicio del Toro on the ship that BB-8 ends up stealing. Right. You're still in my mind. I'm still thinking, when are we going to meet back up with that code breaker? Right. When are we gonna find him and get him on board to save the rebels? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Good call. And uh, yeah, so that's that's it. We're we're not gonna you know keep. Stroking the nuts of Star Wars, there's still some things that we have to get off our chest, so stick around and we'll be back for that. And we're back with the negative. <laughs> with the negative. <laughs> and here we go. So, Jim, what's something that you could have done without in this film? Okay. The number one thing in this movie that pissed me off to all high hell was when Princess Leia wakes up in space and then fucking flies back into the ship like she's Mary Poppins. <laughs> To me, that looked <laughs> corny as all hell. I thought it probably would have been better if she died. Mm-hmm. I think it would have had a, a larger impact. I feel like she really didn't do much after that in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been a giant surprise to a lot of people if you killed off Princess Leia quick and at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very powerful when mm-hmm. you see her sucked out. She dies with General Akbar. Admiral Akbar. Ad- I, apologize. I apologize. You know, you want to give him the correct rank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that that was, I thought that was great to, to kill her off, left everybody in the audience stunned, and then she's floating in space, and she just wakes up, and it's just like, 
It's like she grabs onto a line like she's deep sea diving and <laughs> someone just pulls her back. You know, what's, and if I can interject with, with that, I agree with you. I think that it was a little cheesy. And the other thing that didn't make sense to me is that even if she did wake up and was able to use the like the force to pull herself back in, like realistically, if she was in space, she would have been dead anyway because there's no oxygen. Yeah. And like you basically your blood boils and you technically like explode from the inside out. So like she would have basically been dead anyway and would have never woken up. Yeah, I think but you just, she, like, freeze to death. Yeah, but she, she woke up partially frozen <laughs> and then was just like, Rrr. I was like, wait. So that didn't make too much sense to me, but suspension of disbelief, so. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. mean, there's there's all kinds of ways to kind of explain that away, yeah. like, especially when you're dealing with something as mystical and unknown as the Force and how it works. I mean, right. st- we're still to this day learning new things and ways that the Force works, so, like, like you said, suspension of disbelief. Yeah, exactly. Like that's like a whatever. I agree with you though, Jim. Like I don't. I did not like the visual of her flying. Like the way they had no. her flying through space. It was just kind of like a. It was. It was almost like an afterthought. It was like. It was like playing with color forms almost. Like it just like she just kind of glided <laughs> across the screen. Um, something though, like just to throw out there, like I, you know, I don't want to take too much time on it, but. Um, the director actually said that they played with the idea like heavily that that was going to be her final scene. But the reason why it wasn't was because they had all that footage afterwards of mm-hmm. her performance and it was her final performance. And they, and he said that was, he didn't want to rob fans of her final mm-hmm. performance and her, the last chance to actually see what she did on screen. He said to put that in like a director's cut or like a special features reel would have been like, it wouldn't have done justice to the, to the character or to the, the actress. I can respect so, that. That's mm-hmm. that's cool. I can completely respect. So that. I mean, yeah, totally. Like I mean, I thought I thought that took balls to like actually rearrange your movie just because you had respect for the actress. Uh, so I actually gave him big ups for that, and I overlooked that scene for that reason. Um, what you got, Ren? Uh, I would say a big con for me was uh, character utilization, uh, like with Carrie Fisher, how they had her sucked out into space. And then it was like, oh, she was kind of frozen, but she's not dead. Like in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, you have, um, what's his name with the blue? Star-Lord. No, 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 oh. no, no. His father figure freezes to death. Oh, yeah, yeah, him. What, it's uh, like, Kurt Russell? No, 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 no. 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 Merle from Michael Walking Walker. Dead. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. I oh, my God, what's his name? It's about. something sharp. Yondu. Yeah, thank yes. you, Yondu. Um, when Yondu dies, like I was like, oh, he's going to wake up and it's going to be fine. And then he actually is dead because he freezes in space. I was like, no. Right. And like, <laughs> that, w- that was a great end for me. With Leia, I was like, oh, okay. But you have this actress who did pass away. So you have to use that footage. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. But now this makes it kind of janky with her storyline. And then... There were like really unnecessary scenes, like when Luke is milking the animal. I was like, "This is not necessary." Front, like, why is this here? And then I love that though. No, it was so weird. <laughs> I Captain, forgot about I loved that. it because it's it was so weird. weird. So weird. Uh, Captain Phasma. They make they like hype this character. She has like really cool armor, and they never utilize her in like a really cool way. She never has a really cool storyline. It's just like she's here. When I felt like they could have hyped her up to be a really cool character, a really mm. big part of the storyline. Nope. Um, General Snoke, they kill him off pretty early when I was like, we could have used him to deepen you know, Kylo Ren's storyline. Instead, it's just like, nah, his dad's dead. Snoke's dead. We're just kind of like freestyle this. I don't know. 
All right. Uh, I partially agree with you. Okay. Um, the, like, Phasma and Snoke, like, underutilizing them, I, I thought they were utilized for what they were meant to be. They were They were people that were meant to give a foil or give like some motivation to the other characters to see their development. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you look back in star Wars history, I mean, that's, that's a, a staple of star Wars. You have some ultra cool characters that are underutilized and destroyed. I don't know. It just bums me out. Like they hype the porgs up like for a year before that movie even came up. They're like, here's all this merch. And they're like three minutes of the film, which is okay because you shouldn't, like mm-hmm. use porgs for much more than that in the film. Right. Um, the like I, the I, great I, cameos like Benicio del Toro mm-hmm. and Justin Thoreau, they're just there and then they're gone. Like Star Wars is always throwing like a bajillion different characters at us, and they're like, "But we only need five really to get the storyline going." We just yeah. have like, but that's, that's the, what bums me out. That's but, the grandness of the Star Wars the way universe, they did though. It too. Yeah, but it's the fact that I didn't even know he was in it. Yeah. is mm-hmm. what threw me. Like, how did I not know Benicio del Toro was in this movie? Yeah, and he's like one of the best actors in it too. Yeah, that's yeah, like exactly. Mark Hamill, Benicio del Toro. Like, mm. they're fantastic. And you just had all these cameos that were just like, hey, we're in it for a couple minutes and mm-hmm. we're great actors and it moves on. Mm-hmm. And that's always been the way of Star Wars, but it seems so wasteful. And it's catering to the fanboy lifestyle where you give these people like 50 new characters every movie to cosplay, but they're totally not necessary in the long run. Right. And that just like, I don't know, it's super wasteful to me. Mm-hmm. For me... Mm-hmm. I I hate it. The use of humor in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like the type of humor, not the use of it, but the mm-hmm. type of the humor that they use. It was very slapstick mm-hmm. to me, like in in many instances. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't um, situational. It wasn't there. There were. It wasn't circumstantial comedy. It was. It was slapstick comedy, like in your face, like. Haha, that was a funny moment. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there were there were there were some circumstantial like uh instances, but for the most part you had like uh like BB8 like shooting coins out of himself or, or like just the fact that people were able to put coins into BB8 and mm-hmm. when they did, you heard them clink inside of him like he's just a hollow ball. Uh yeah. it was just really weird to me. It's like we know that BB8's solid. I mean, like he's like super heavy and and whatnot. But even if he was hollow, like when even though he has coins in him, like how does he shoot them out? How does he you know, how did that happen? How did he collect the coins, load them up and like put them into a coin shooter? Where did the coin shooter come from? Yeah, like <laughs> that was obvious. It was just obviously done for the sake of getting a laugh. And it was totally uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Um, when when something's just there, it was for, just unneeded. It was no. When it, something's there, when something's there, convenient. It was to, It was a matter of convenience. Convenience. Yeah. It was it was given to him as a matter of convenience and not as a function. Um, so like, there's no function for him having that coin shooter other than somebody must have anticipated that somebody was going to put coins in him. Mm-hmm. What if one day somebody puts coins in him? He can use this. It's like that makes no sense to me. Right. So, right. so that's that was one of my negatives. Like, it's just the the overuse of slapstick comedy. I'm actually going to jump right on that with you because that, that is, uh, some of the instances of comedy worked for me, Mm -hmm. but, uh, some of them did not. And one specifically was, um, 
one that happened right at the beginning where uh, Ray shows up and she uh, hands him his lightsaber and he just tosses it over his shoulder. Like for me, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like that is could be probably one of the most powerful moments of this movie because we've been waiting since the force awakens to see what happens when she hands him his lightsaber and he just looks at it and tosses it. And when it happened, like I laughed because I was kind of, I was like, <laughs> like, wait, did that, I laughed. Cause I was like, it was like so weird that it happened. But then like three seconds later, I was like, wait, that's, that's it. Like, that's all you're doing with that. Like we've been waiting a two, like a year and a half, two years for that. Mm -hmm. And he, even if I feel like, even if he had just taken it and, and looked at it and held onto it and walked right past her and not even acknowledged it. But the fact that he just threw it over his shoulder, like a friggin' salt shaker, I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. It, it just like that. And everybody thought that was hilarious. And that just like was a downer for me. I'm like, wow, that was going to be the moment I was waiting for. And it just got shit on, right. you know? And that was, I feel like they could have done that a lot differently. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like a slapstick moment that I, I felt was just, we could have done without. I agree with that all yeah. the way. And I blame that on like the, uh, the Disney side because Disney acquired Marvel. Those movies are heavy on like the slapstick comedy. And that's what we've come to expect from Marvel. And I think somewhere along the lines that Star Wars is going to get integrated with like, oh, that's what the crowd wants to see, the humor side of it. But like, no, because one, yeah. two and three were heavy with like really corny humor and rewatching those is so painful to me mm. it's terrible you're like oh you cringe every time a joke is made yeah. and i don't want that to be the future for star wars films but this one really bummed me out because it's looking that way yeah yeah ren you had brought this up previously so i'm gonna say something else but i, I will reference i thought that Captain Phasma was completely underutilized. Mm -hmm. I thought she died way too fast, mm -hmm. not just in the grand scheme of the movies, but I thought even that fight scene felt a little quick. Yeah. That he hits her in the head and you see her eye and then she just falls into a, a into pit of fire. Chasm. Yep. And that was done. I felt like that was Finn's arch enemy and he met her too quickly and she met a quick end. And I was disappointed with that. Mm -hmm. Boba Fett. <laughs> but I think uh, something else that I was not a fan of was the whole scene where Ray went down into that dark side tunnel on the <clears throat> on the um, island that's all covered in like dead seaweed, mm -hmm. and she goes down into a cave where she just sees a funhouse mirror of rays backwards and forwards <laughs> and she touches it and says, who are my parents? And they just, it just reveals her again. I felt like that was a completely unnecessary scene. I felt like nothing was resolved from it. Mm -hmm. It didn't kind of, it didn't show you whether she was swaying more to the, the dark side or the light. It just seemed completely throwaway. Well, again, like that's a lot like the um, the other scene that I had talked about. Um, I can't remember what that scene was. Milking I'm cows. I'm, I'm, f I'm 44. <laughs> I'm losing my fucking mind over here. I can't remember the scene I was talking about. But um, this is another scene where it's a it's a callback in disguise, um, where that's her moment as like when Luke was on Dagobah, um, and he goes into that little thing and he like cuts, uh, you know 
Vader's mask off and he sees his face. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of like her moment like that, like where she sees herself and she starts to realize like, well, you know, maybe it doesn't matter like who my parents are. You know what I mean? But but she's still kind of holding on to that hope to find out, you know? I guess I can understand that. I can see the resemblance. I thought that when I was sitting in the theater mm-hmm. going that's kind of similar to when Luke Skywalker fought the fictitious Darth Vader. But I also just felt I don't I didn't feel the same towards this scene with Rey as I did with that scene with Luke Skywalker. I felt like that was a lot more powerful. Right. Yeah, no, Yoda the execution King- of it wasn't great because like you you nailed it when you called it a funhouse mirror because it was just like <laughs> the lead up to that like it wasn't um it didn't give me any like sense of dread you know what I mean and that's what mm-hmm. I that's that's what that's what Luke Skywalker had in that moment when like you know he before he actually saw Vader and then when Vader comes out and like the lightsaber comes out and you know now he's like he's getting ready to fight him and then he, when he fights him and he actually cuts his it's he cuts the mask off and you see his face and now that ties everything together there was none of that build-up it no. was just it was just like you said funhouse mirror it yeah. was like okay that's weird and i also kind of felt like in empire strikes back when that happens yoda was there to give a little clarification to luke skywalker mm-hmm. after that incident and there was nothing of the sort with ray if i'm correct ray never brought this scenario up to luke skywalker that she fell down that pit and had that interaction with that funhouse mirror that was never brought up to Luke Skywalker, correct? Not so, that I remember. So she was just left wondering. Right. Mm. And that, that was, I think the reason why she never brought it up to him was because she immediately was talking to Ren, Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. mm. right after. And then that's when Luke found them and like kind of blew up the, the hut or whatever. So, I mean, I get why she never talked to him about it. But yes, that never happened. And we never got the clarification. Mm-hmm. This is super random, but I just want to bring this up. When Ray and Kylo Ren were connected thanks to Snoke. Was anybody else super put off by how high Kylo Ren was wearing his pants? <laughs> I totally noticed that. Yeah. His, uh, <laughs> they were like above his belly button. He was he was wearing he was wearing his pants like Tony's dad wears his <laughs> like just high above his <laughs> completely above his belly button. You gotta use the nipples for support. It's so funny that you use my dad as a reference point. Oh my god! It was so awkward to me. Oh my god! That Ray would say, "Could you put on a shirt?" And she didn't go. Can you pull your pants down just a little in a non-sexual way? Can you just wear them like a normal? It's like conservative Disney film. You got to keep them way up. Yeah, yeah. Like this isn't Iraq. <laughs> like, did the new order just ban belly buttons? <laughs> no, it was like it was kind of like uh, the, the, like he had his uh, like thing on, like the the like the, his sash. Yeah, like cummerbund. Yeah, yeah. It was like it's like they're like samurai pants almost with like a giant ass freaking like. So he's belt. got Aladdin pants on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, but I mean, he's I got some MC Hammer pants. I'm just exactly. saying. To me, it looked incredibly awkward. It looked like he was gonna like. Get in a barrel and go down Niagara Falls. <laughs> I don't know why I made that reference. Like, no belly buttons means you're going to commit suicide if you're going over a national landmark. What, oh, what's, your, uh, what's your second uh, negative thing? Okay, so I've been a stickler for, like, plot lines and stuff like that before. This had super uneven pacing towards the middle. Like, the beginning, I was like, okay, it's, like, pretty strong start. 
the middle started to just get really wonky. Like the second half of the movie, you had three different plot lines going on and you had a lot of buildup for these payoffs, but the buildup just took forever. And so true. It just took forever. Like this was the longest Star Wars movie yet. And it felt like it. Like I was sitting there like, cool. I'm watching the scene, but like what's going to be the payoff? Because it doesn't feel like anything's really going to come from this. And then once the payoff hit, it's like a dad joke. Like it's built up and you get like the actual finish of it and you just like roll your eyes like, cool. I'm actually going to throw in there with what you're saying is that there was, I was telling you earlier, there was one point in the movie where I passed out for five minutes. Yeah. Because it got, for me, it got way too dialogue heavy and I might have been tired. But, like, I passed out for, like, three minutes and then woke back up. It's like when you play a video game and the dialogue just keeps going and you keep, like, clicking next, 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 next because you don't care and you actually get to what the scene built up and you're like, okay, why did I just spend five minutes clicking next and this is all I'm getting? Like, it was just... Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. It was so dialogue heavy. Like, I felt like... I'm going to mention the Twilight series, which is a terrible series, mm-hmm. but it's something I said could be condensed to, like, one book. That's what this movie felt like. Like I could have got a half hour cut off this bitch and it would have been great. (laughs) Like it just needed more editing. And I know they had a lot going on. They have a lot to work with. They own a billion different companies now and they had to fit like the Carrie Fisher scenes in there. So I'm sure that extended it and they had to like loop it all in to make sense. But like I was sitting there like, what the fuck is going on? Like it was just so drawn out. There, there were there were parts of it that I felt I was trying to connect like m- like multiple storylines and I think yeah. that's why I was like wait what what is going on right now like there there was one but then like even though I fell asleep for like mm-hmm. three minutes whatever I missed I didn't need because the movie still worked for me you know I what think, I'm saying so, yeah like last film uh Rogue One it yeah. felt mm-hmm. like that too like it was just like skip 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 I tried to put it on its background noise because I was like oh I'll be able to follow this I kept coming back I'm like who the fuck is that? Like I stepped mm. away for five minutes. No, wh- where are we? Like last film, I did not like it all just because I tried to watch it at home. You have to sit down and watch the whole thing to really get it. And it takes like mm-hmm. two watches before you're like, Oh, okay. But like this film, it, it's a main story arc. We waited two years for this and it just was like all over the place in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree with you on, on almost everything you said. I think um, for me, though, one of the other things I, I don't really care for in this new Star Wars series is uh, people are going to hate me. Um, I could <laughs> do without uh, Finn. Yeah. Like, I I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, he's a cool character. And, like, you want to kill me right now because I know you're a big you fan see, of him. Yeah, I can, can see, see how much you hate me. My but dog's like, name is Finn. Yeah, no, I know, I know, and I know that I know that you love Finn, and that's why I said a lot of people are gonna are gonna hate me. Hashtag Cooley. But like, basically, like I watched this movie, and as soon as he popped on screen, I was like, oh yeah, he's in this. Mm-hmm. Like, forgot he was even in the movie. Then he shows up, and it's like, I just feel like he's. He's such a weak character. He's like, he doesn't do it. He doesn't do anything. He's like the Mary Sue of films. Like that character where you're like, oh, it's like the nice, happy, whatever character. Where like John Boyega is such an interesting, genuinely nice and awesome dude. And I feel like the way they utilize him, they're missing out. Like they really are. Maybe, maybe that's what I mean. It's not, it's 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 not not that he, right, right. It's not that he's a shitty, 
uh, character or that he's a bad actor. Right. Because he's not. He's not. I just feel like he's underutilized. They could do so much more with Finn. Mm -hmm. And like he has one cool scene where he has like that fight scene. And it's like, I, I just feel like that he could be used. So, they could do so much more with him. Yeah. And that's all. And I felt like that he was kind of a a weak link in this film. The only powerful scene that I felt he had was uh, when that... Yeah, the phasma. Yeah, she goes down, and then there's the uh, the other scene where like he almost tries to fly into the cannon, and then like that chick basically saves his life. Like, oh yeah, you know, those are the only like. But I mean, I mean, I just felt like he, I felt like he was gonna have a bigger role in this movie. But I think he was going through a transition in this movie, and I think this sets him up for being a extremely heroic character in the third movie. Because mm -hmm. in the first movie, he's pretty much playing kind of the Han Solo where he's trying to run away from everything. He just got away from the the New Order. He knows how powerful they are. He's scared of them. And he's under the idea that there's no reason to fight because they are going to win. In this movie, you start to see that he realizes that he's useful, that he knows information about the New Order that can actually help the rebels to defeat them, or at least to win a battle. Mm -hmm. And I think he's he's gone on a journey in this movie where he's grown up and he's realized that there is a ch there is a reason to fight against this evil empire. Yeah, and I mean, and I agree with you on that. I just wish maybe I was just I would I wanted to see more of him in this movie, and this isn't the movie where he's going to shine just yet. It's the bad setup. Like his storyline right. to growth was weak enough where I wanted more from it because he is, it's important for representation. I bitched about it in runaways with thick girls. I'm going to bitch about it in this film. Like you finally have a character who's a young black man and like, you're like, who he's going to be interesting. It's like, no, let's focus on the two white kids where like we have all these different people like Oscar Isaac. Like he was super awesome in the force awakens and you have John Boyega, who's so fantastic. Like, every time I see him in something, he's just like this pure baby angel. <laughs> and, and this film, I'm just like... You still that... haven't watched Attack the Block. <laughs> I saw... No, I actually saw... I, I didn't finish it, but I did see... He was good in that. What I did see, he was good. Yeah, I he, almost was just so about to mention good. that before you said that. He's so good. And then, like, Daisy Ridley, she's, she's a good actress and stuff like that. But I want it to be more of him i want it to be a stronger development with him yeah i thought i thought he was in the movie almost as much as everybody else like i mean like they they jumped back and forth and they did their thing want just to add on to what you said jim i mean like that whole thing you said is exactly what's going on with finn and i can even take it one step further um in the first one in the force awakens he's all he knows is that he wants to get away from the First Order. But Ray gives him a reason to fight, and he stays and he fights for his friend Ray. Yes. And that's it. Like, he doesn't care about the the uh, the resistance at that point. He just wants to, to help her get away and make sure that she's safe. So he, he starts to become a little more selfless at that point. Um, this movie, he still has that same mentality. Like, he just wants to save Ray. He's going to run. He jumps. He's getting ready to jump ship and get in the uh, the escape pod. Mm -hmm. um, and then in his journey, he discovers, like you said, that he's got more to offer. But also that, you know, because of 
his new sidekick there, Rose, he's got more to fight for. And he discovers that the what the resistance has and what the resistance is doing is actually, you know, worth be being a part of um, and sacrificing himself for, which is why he ends up making that ultimate sacrifice at the end, which she stops him from doing. I know that you said that Ray and Finn are friends. Finn clearly likes Ray a lot more than just friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unclear oh, yeah. to me whether or not Ray feels the same. It's unclear to me as whether she like is aware of it. I, I feel like I, she's still focused on other things. Exactly. She doesn't see it like that. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. but but then I, I love I love that too, uh, that that whole like love triangle type thing um, that they got going on because now Rose likes Finn, Finn likes Ray, Ray possibly has something for Kylo Ren, or is just completely oblivious to everything because she's so focused on what she's doing like you said Hmm. um so it's pretty awesome uh in that regard and i as far as something else that i don't like um i don't like that chewy didn't just eat the fucking porg in front of the porg like who gives a shit (laughs) dude like he's chewy he's chewbacca he's a fucking wookie just fucking he rips arms off man you you already killed one and cooked it exactly like who gives a shit just fucking eat it that far i don't think you're going to discuss the pork even more by eating it right you already did the the bad parts exactly. now you're just taking the the burnt carcass thank and you. just like throwing it in the dirt and letting it rot thank you just eat the fucking pork i totally forgot about the porgs and then like that was one of my favorite parts of the movie too <laughs> i mean like and ren called that too before that I it was gonna be it. one of you <laughs> yeah i know you very well Dude, and i'm telling you like i literally laugh my ass off when like there's i totally forgot what like chewbacca yells and then it just goes I would, like died in the no, Do you guys know the it's story like, of the porgs, like why they're even in the movie? No. No. So, but they are super cute. I hate Wicked them. cute, dude. Where they were filming for right. for for Luke and all that, like they had like tons of these fucking birds, like oh, puffins. The puffins. I figured they oh. were puffin based. All over the fucking place. They couldn't get rid of them. So what they did was they just fucking CGI'd over them and made porgs. Is that really what they oh did? That's God. really what they did. Oh, like, crazy. The Porgs were not something that they just decided to put in the film because they thought it'd be cute. Like they had to do something to over <laughs> to put over the fucking puffins. Oh yeah, because on those That's cliffs, crazy. those things are happening over yeah, there. Yeah, because wow. you can't because you can't have like fucking puffins running around in a galaxy <laughs> far away. They'll just take you right out the fucking movie. <laughs> so so we have Porgs. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> so they just turned them into hamster owls. Right. Yeah. Hamster owls. Yes. That's what they are. Yeah, you can so when I heard that, beast. yeah, yeah. When I heard that, I was just like, "That's fucking cool." Like, I, I get it now. Yeah. Like, Respect. I understand. Yeah. But like, those, hey, honestly, like, thank the puffins because Disney is cashing in on that. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, they're making so much. That's money. all the Christmas merch that there was in like the gender non-gender specific section at Target. It was like puffin. Plush, puffing this, puffing that, play sets. Oh, uh, so they they were awesome though. I, yeah. I had fun watching them. So yeah, we'll so we went a little long on that, but we definitely want to talk about some other things. So we're gonna wrap up this section and we'll be back. Supply and demand investing, where not all investments are created equal. Yo, Cooley, what's up, man? You want to play a game of Would You Rather? Let's do it. 
All right, man. So would you rather invest in Texas Instruments at a dividend of 2.52% or Intel at a dividend of 2.33% over the course of three years? Um, jeez. I'm going to look, man. I'm going to go with Intel because, I mean, they make everything, man. They, they even make the, uh, the processors for Apple, which, I mean, dude, like they're, they're everywhere. So I'm going to say Intel, man. All right, man. I'm kind of going to agree with you on that. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. So if you guys want to see the results, check out supplyanddemandinvesting.com slash redbeard supply and demand investing is here to offer guidance when it comes to investing whether you want to invest in stocks bonds mutual funds or exchange traded funds supply and demand investing is here to help and unlike the buy and hold method of investing of the past supply and demand investing is comparative to any good sports team there are good times to play offense by investing your hard-earned money in things like the S&P 500 the Nasdaq real estate or international equity and there are times to play defense by investing in fixed income higher dividend paying assets like bonds cds or cash so check out supplyanddemandinvesting.com slash redbeard all right guys and we're back so um We've already talked about a lot of stuff, but I think um, one of the big things is we need to kind of touch upon who was in charge of this film, and that was Ryan Johnson and Disney, um, and how they had an impact on this film. Um, could be a couple different things as to why people have the reactions that they've had about the film. Some people hated it. Some people loved it. Um, and a lot of people, one of the things I keep hearing is, Oh, it's a Disney Star Wars film and like I hate it and then Disney, you know, ruined it. And you know, I'm kind of I don't really agree with that because I I enjoyed the movie. Um obviously we've already talked about things we didn't like, but um the you know, the director only has so much power over what his vision is going to be when you have somebody financing the movie and the decisions that who is putting up the money. Uh, wants to be on, what they want to see on film and what they will allow. So um, I think it's kind of a little bit of both. You know, he's got to he's got to work with what he's given, and and uh, you know he only has so much power. And and in my opinion, I think he did a decent job with the film, but some stuff could have been taken out, like some of the weird comedy. But that's me. I know Jim, you had you you wanted to say something. No, I was just going to say, have we gone around the table yet? And said whether or not we enjoyed the movie you know to give everybody a little idea of where we're all coming from uh we haven't yeah, you so wanna... I mean, it's kind of a good call out <laughs> yeah it's true we haven't done that um wow i, 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 I mean i think right. i just stated that i liked it yeah so you liked it how'd you I, feel I, jim yeah, i i honestly i very much enjoyed it i do agree some scenes could have been cut out some of the, some of it was a little unnecessary and some of the humor was a little unnecessary, but for the most part, I thought that it was a it was a Star Wars movie to me, and I thought that it was it was a lot of fun. And I I'll, I'll agree with that because when I went when I when the movie first came out, there were people that I like friends of mine that said they hated it. Yes. And so I didn't really know what to expect when I went in, but when I got out of the movie, I was like, I don't know what people are talking about. Like this was 
pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? But, you know, Ren, you have a different view, I think. I'm not going to say I hated it because that's a strong statement. Mm-hmm. I will say that there was a lot of missed opportunity in the film. It wasn't great, like, story-wise, but it was a beautifully shot film. Uh, okay. People got screen time. It was an entertaining ride. It was definitely a lot longer than it needed to be. I'm not going to say that I hated it. It's not my favorite Star Wars film, but it was entertaining for what it was. Okay. All right. And you all know how I feel about it. I've said several times that I, I actually love the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I put it I put it on my love list. Mm-hmm. That's nice. nice. All right. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> a lot of people have said to me that they feel that Disney is ruining Star Wars due to this movie. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like George Lucas started ruining Star Wars with episodes one through three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're doing a far better job yeah, than Lucas I, did. I oh, feel yeah. like yeah. this is a oh, yeah. vast improvement over what we saw with Anakin Skywalker's growth to Darth Vader. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, I feel like I feel like Disney's taken a lot of flack and like even even just now, like you, you had mentioned that, like, you know, it's the financier that is, you know, in control. And it, and here's something that I know that Disney's doing. And I know this like for a fact, uh, they take a very hands off approach when it comes to like their separate studios. Um, when they put out a Disney movie, yes, Disney is very much in control. They have their hands in the pot. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking Marvel, when you're talking, uh, you know, it's not or or Lucasfilm. It's not like, uh, let's say, a Warner Brothers film where Warner Brothers will go in and hack the shit out of your movie because they didn't like the direction that you went in. Oh, yeah. um, this is this is like you might get a little bit of input from them, but if you're on the same page you get carte blanche. Like, you get to take this movie wherever you want to go with it. Otherwise, you would see a very formulaic approach, and you would see The Force Awakens is very much exactly like, uh, you know, The Last Jedi, and the uh, Rogue One is very much like the other two films that came out in Star Wars because they want that formulaic approach. Because if you look at all of Disney's animated films, that's what you get. Mm-hmm. Everything is formulaic. Everything has, you know, the same beginning, middle, and end, and it's just the characters that make it different. And that's not what you're getting with these films. And it's actually, the directors have gone on record as to say that's what they love about working on these movies is that they get to bring their vision to the screen. So this is Ryan Johnson. This isn't Disney. Disney is not destroying Star Wars. If Disney's destroying Star Wars, it's because they're flooding us with it and we're getting a Star Wars movie every single year. Um, Where in the past, Star Wars has been special because we had to wait 20 fucking years to see another Star Wars movie and then another 20 years to see The Force Awakens. And now we've got a trilogy with movies in between and it's just really fucking weird to me. I think it's audience-based, too. I think there's corny humor in there for the younger ages because I'm a huge fan of Ryan Johnson films. The first film I ever saw of his was Brick, and that's like a very adult film. That is a super adult film. There's humor in it, but it's kind of like cutting humor. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very intelligent. Uh, Another movie he did was Looper. With uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Looper was a great movie. Oh, my God. Absolutely loved that movie. Fantastic movie. Like, his movies are just, like, 
great story pacing, like characters always on point. There's, you know, a handful of characters, but they have great stories throughout. And this, there was just a lot going on. You know, I think that this definitely wasn't like entirely his film. There's definitely a lot of other people involved in this. So I don't want to blame him entirely for the misgivings that I felt were in there. So I want to find some other place. I want to blame Disney because they're new into this equation. Um, and there's, you know, the all audience factor, which Ryan Johnson has never made films for the younger kids. And Star Wars is a huge, like, generations thing. Like, dads and moms want to bring their kids to this because they grew up with it. I just feel like you have to be, with, with Disney, though, you mm-hmm. have to be a little bit softer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I yeah. feel like when you have the Disney name attached to it, things have to be a little bit more lighthearted. More forgiving. Right. And I think that's kind of the the vibe that I get when I went to see this mm-hmm. versus like the older Star Wars. Like they were a little bit more violent. They were a little bit more, uh, there was a little bit more action. Like it was just, it was a harder movie. There was oh, like, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and I, it, it was a little rough around the edges. And I feel like this one, it was kind of like a, it was like a fluffy Star Wars. That it they was gave a us. Tony Amaral film. It was soft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't. So, but you know what I mean? I didn't get like, that. I didn't get see, that at all. I didn't think it was it, soft or or no, fluffy. No, I did. I don't know. Like I thought. It, I thought it was pretty hard hitting. I thought the humor was maybe trying to soften it up, but it didn't really do that. It just kind of was just stupid. I think it was. But I think that's what I. But I think that's what I mean. Like Disney had, based. It was like storylines of like. Here's morals, like as before it wasn't as moral heavy. This was like friendship and growth and like all these things connect to like being a good person, the steps in life. Even though you mess up, you can still be an okay person. I also want to say the director didn't write the script. He did. He did. I think Mm -hmm. he did. Then, he actually wrote and directed this. Then you know what? Never mind. <laughs> 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 Good call out. Um, so but we know where so you were going. Um, <laughs> I was trying to. Then never mind. Yeah, like oh, look. Um, I mean, like if you look at at this as. Disney's influence. Mm-hmm. I think you can find more of Disney's influence in The Force Awakens than you can in this movie. I don't know. I, I, I like. I mean, I, like, I I've, like with with uh, with Finn and Ray dancing around the Millennium Falcon when they won, and like like little things like that. Like those were things that I thought were completely Disney. I saw that. I was like, oh, this is a Disney film. But Ryan Johnson, what I think he did was he just took the he just. He opened the cage. I mean, like everybody was making Star Wars films in this vacuum where like it all had to fit in and it had to be the same as the other ones and it had to have nostalgia and it had to have all these different pieces that made people feel like they were watching a Star Wars movie where with him, like he was just a fan of Star Wars that made a movie that followed his own vision. And I think in order to really draw a good conclusion and actually like understand what was going on. I think you got to give it a second chance. You have to watch it a second time and see the things that connect the interstitial like fluid, the the tissue that connects everything together. You have to be able to see that in order to actually make a final judgment call. Okay. I did you say that you didn't think there was a lot of nostalgia in this movie? I didn't say that I didn't think there was. I said that he didn't t- he didn't 
he didn't put himself. Yoda is in it. He didn't put himself in the box. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah, he's a Yoda's a character in Star Wars. He Which used was excellent. Him. I was really yeah, happy it was to fantastic. See Yoda. Uh, Which but he, totally opens up for Luke Skywalker being in the next movie. He wasn't stuck in a box, though, is what I'm saying. He wasn't stuck in a box. He actually made a movie that was different from any Star Wars movies that any of the Star Wars movies that I've seen. Agreed. It was completely different. And, and I think that's what's taking people out of it. When they go to see this movie, they see something that's nothing like the Star Wars movies that came before. So every time something happens, it just it takes you out of the Star Wars vibe. And you're just like, oh man, why are they doing this? Why are they why are they killing my franchise? And they're not. They're really just opening up the door and showing you that there's a way forward and we can actually grow with these characters. And that's one of the things that we wanted to talk about was uh, where do we think it's going from here? Yeah, I mean, for me, it, I, I agree with uh, with um, you know, I think it was something that that you said is that you know, Star Wars is something that people hold very close to their hearts because it was. You know, I mean, it's been around for 40 years, you know, and then finally we start, you know, having this rebirth of Star Wars and everybody that's been waiting so long for, you know, answers to questions that they've had are actually like coming forward mm -hmm. and they're not ready for the answers that they get. You know, it might not go in the direction that they thought. And I feel right. like that kind of messes with their heads. Um, so, you know, where is Star Wars going to go from here? I mean, I definitely think we're going to see a lot more of, uh, of Kylo Ren. I mean, he's the new Vader, you know, I'm looking to see, to see where what, I mean, he's what, the new emperor now. Yeah, basically. exactly. I mean, he, he, exactly. I think that I, I just want to see, um, I want to see Kylo Ren go as far as he can go is, and get as dark as possible. Like I want him to get, I would like to see him get more powerful than Vader, you know, mm -hmm. um, because we saw, we saw, uh, Darth Vader get, he was the, the, you know, he was the dark side, you know, but he always answers to somebody. Right. You know, and I want to see Kylo Ren be in charge and he is the worst that you can get, Think you know, like, now. you know, mm -hmm. but I, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't have to answer to anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Kylo Ren is the dark side. I want, and I, like, I, that's where I hope it goes. Like, I want to see him get worse than Vader. Um, because, and we, we start to see hints of that, you know, like he's conflicted right now. But I'm waiting for him to just flip and just fall, you know. Um, but you got Ray, who's still trying to figure everything out. And I would actually like to see Ray actually go towards the dark side and actually fall into that pit for a little bit, but then come back from it. Because I feel like she has a lot of questions and I feel like she's interested in answers that Kylo Ren may be able to to give her. Mm-hmm. Or she, he might give her answers that are incorrect, but it's his way of luring her to the dark side. I want to see her cross that line and then have to fight her way back. Because I feel like that's something that really hasn't happened yet. Like Luke Skywalker was always kind of like, you know, he was a Jedi and, and learning the ways of the Jedi and was, and was facing that, you know, the dark side. Like I cannot go to the dark side. I want to see somebody <clears throat> fall in and then come back. That's where right. I hope it goes. All right. Yeah. I honestly thought that Ray was going to go to the dark side. So did I. Yeah. While watching this movie. Right. I thought that's where they were going to take it was she was going to for whatever reason decide to stick with Kylo Ren because Kylo Ren and Ray are now joined. I honestly I also thought that maybe you would find out that Kylo Ren and Ray are like brother and sister. 
Yeah, I had that theory. Like I also in. kind of started feeling like you maybe still that might. I mean, I think I think it's super ambiguous. I mean, you have like uh, Kylo Ren saying, "Hey, your parents were just uh, you know white space trash." And I like that. I like the fact that her parents are nobodies and that it's right. just Ray. But I mean, like he could have just been using that to, like you know, anger her. You know what I mean? And make her, you know, more apt, more. Uh, pliable and more susceptible to the dark side's uh, temptations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe completely true that they're space trash, you know, but I do agree with you though, I, Tony, I want to see Kylo Ren get as masochistic as possible. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be awesome. I just want to see him go crazy. Like 50 shades of gray. Yeah. <laughs> Poor choice of adjective. Yeah. Fifty Shades of Ray. <laughs> I, I want to see him become diabolical. I have a different idea on that. What's that? Well, my it's the character setup. So Kylo Ren, he's like a, he's a poser pretty much because it's like, kill my parents off. Like his mom is pretty much dead at this point because mm-hmm. um, there's no... Carrie Fisher to continue on with her storyline. Um, you know, Han's dead. He killed his dad, so he's he's fake. Like he's just like, oh, we've have such like a sordid past. Oh, like <laughs> he's he's a phony baloney. Ray's like actually had a horrible life. Like she grew up pretty much like on the streets. She was like digging for trash her whole life in like the desert. Um, and she actually has like a reason to be really bummed out i want to see her get even worse than kylo and be like just the head bitch just like bumming kylo out to the point where maybe he even joins you know the the good side or she just straight up kills him off okay and she's just like i'm the new vader bye yeah because that would devastate finn that's some character development right there where his fucking life is just crushed. I'm Imagine right that. with you, Ren. I would love to see that. Yeah. I would love to see an evil Ray. I would love that. Because I, think... I think she could kill it, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. I don't think Kylo Ren is ever going to join the light side. No, he was really soft. I don't really think it's soft, possible. But yeah. I don't know. Uh, he killed Han Solo. I just think that There's no, redemption no for audience him. would be no. on board for Kylo Ren to become a good guy after he killed Harrison Ford. Right. He had his chance to win the audience over. And I know this because when he killed Snoke and pulls the uh, the other lightsaber towards him and they stand side by side and he's standing there with his lightsaber, she's standing there like with back hers. back to back. The yeah. audience went nuts. They were like, oh, my God, he's good. Yeah. It was like – it was like <laughs> – they just like everything that they wanted just came true. Uh, but now that he's done what he's done and like, you know, just like, you know, his rage at the end and all, I think he's completely like, there's no, there's no coming back from that. And I think no. the audience isn't going to accept him being good after like trying to kill Luke and like showing that he was not going to be good. Like all of a sudden, if he became good, it would just be like, like fuck you. Well, see, that's my <laughs> but that's my thing. It's like you know when we started watching Star Wars, it's just like Darth Vader had always been there. You know what I mean? And I just want to see this guy go from where he was to full force. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I want to because we're seeing him become what could be 
you know, the worst form of a Vader, right. you know, and I'm just, I'm just hoping that, which is straight up route. the emperor. I mean, like, so, so people, people are going to see this, this happen. Like he's going to be the emperor. He's going to be the ultimate dark side being. Yeah. The emperor was that before Snoke was that before him. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen this type of uh, a badass before, but they were never the main focus. I think it's too expected. Yeah. I think it's too expected. I think yeah. I want Ray to be like that emperor and I want, like, Kylo to come out and have this huge emotional thing where he's like, I goofed up in my past. I'm really upset about it. Uh, please forgive me, that everyone. Would, that and would then have she been this movie, though. Him. That would have been this movie. I don't know. Like, don't if know. that was going to happen, that would have been he's done He's too big of a character. Movie. Well, no, but you also need to... But but I, just, I agree with Ren, though. If it's going to happen, it probably wouldn't be this movie because you need to wait for her to get more powerful before mm-hmm. that happens. And I think once she has that power, he will. That's the only way when he realizes she's more powerful that he will actually stoop to that level. Yeah. And, and we and learn- try to beg for her forgiveness. It's not, not in this movie. Yeah. She's, she's not there yet. Yeah. Mm. So. When yeah. is Kylo Ren going to get his gross face? Because I feel like every emperor. Dude, it's Adam Driver. It just like because Emperor Palpatine just had that fucking California raisin look. (laughs) Oh my god! Was just all lumps. Like it was just like sloth from Goonies. Yeah, Yeah, he was. was. It was that potato that you found in the bag. That like roots are already starting to grow out of it, so you <laughs> oh my don't god, you just kind of throw it in the trash. Yeah, dude, uh, I, it's Adam Driver, and it's probably in his contract that you can't fuck up his face. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you can't mess up the guy from Girls. Yeah, you can't mess. <laughs> him he's up. got a goofy looking face, yeah, but he he's like attractive in like a Jewish kind of way. Like <laughs> Jewish kind of way. I see it. <laughs> Like uh, some for some reason the guy's a heartthrob. Like that's it's yeah. the hair. Yeah, like, it's the hair. Chicks dig him. He's got long hair. I think it's the status. He's Kylo Ren. He's a big character in a Star Wars movie. But on the side, he's Matt, a radar technician. Yeah, you know, so, <laughs> you know he's. Do you know he's a marine? <laughs> he yeah. was. He was yeah. a marine. marine. Yeah, yeah. So that's the other thing he's got going for him. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that kind of. So support, I, yeah, so support that, the troops, dude. That's it. Well, I actually have one thing that I do want to throw in before we close out. Go for okay. it. Um, I was reading an article um, yesterday, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, it was uh, by Vanity Fair, and um, a longtime producer of Star Wars, Kathleen Kennedy, uh, came out and, and uh, had a quote from Carrie Fisher. So it says here in the article, Kathleen Kennedy explicitly said that the final installment of the latest trilogy would have been Leia's Time to Shine. Describing a moment right after wrapping Fisher's scenes on The Last Jedi, Kennedy told Vanity Fair, and it says, The minute she finished, she grabbed me and said, I'd, uh, I'd better be at the forefront of nine, because Harrison was front and center on eight, and Mark is front and center on, uh, excuse me, uh, Harrison was front and center on seven, and Mark is front and center on eight. She thought nine would have been her movie, and it would have been. So I think that like if I think Carrie Fisher obviously didn't know she was going to pass away. She was waiting for the next movie to be her time to shine. And like, so, I mean, like it just kind of sucks to know that she said that 
and she didn't get that movie. Yeah. Like, that's kind of a downer. You it's know even what I mean? more reason why, you know, you keep those scenes alive, like, in, in the film. Yeah. So, you like, know? when we were talking about that earlier, like, oh, like, the, you know, they it was probably longer because of mm-hmm. adding in, like, Carrie Fisher scenes. Like, yeah, she's right. You know, like, there was seven, and then there was was, was Harrison Ford's, like, Solo got killed off. No, and, and I think that, was, that was by design, though, I think. Yeah. You uh, know? Obviously and, by design. Exactly. Um, and unfortunately, you know, what happened happened and, you know, she died because of her sleep apnea and here we are. Yeah. So she worked on her own rewrites with Ryan, though. Like yeah. She she was brilliant. She was a brilliant mind writing, acting, everything she did. She really shone and it super bums me out. That's I, something I didn't I actually. Loved, I loved her in this movie and I hate it. The one there was one line that I hate it. And it was when she said. I've said it enough. You go ahead and say it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. May I mean, the force be with you. Like that scene was so fucking corny to me. I was <laughs> like, that was one of the things that they could have taken out of the film. Like it was just like, but it, but as a fourth wall breaker, it was kind of cool. But mm-hmm. I mean, you don't break the fourth wall in Star Wars. And I feel like that's what they did with that. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I honestly think uh, Carrie Fisher, like being a, a brilliant writer, if you guys have not seen like her, like one woman show it's hilarious and she talks about all the inside stuff in star wars so mm-hmm. if you like her and don't know that about her check it out all right yeah and that that's all i got for tonight how about you yeah i'm tapped out jim i've been done hours ago <laughs> <laughs> and uh guys after this episode we do have one interview for you so check out our interview that we did at rhode island comic-con with the ghost hunters the and, ghost uh, hunters yeah so we'll see you next week later Peace. Say goodbye, Jim. <laughs> what? All right. Adios. Hey, guys. This is Tony from the Red Bear Podcast hanging out here at Rhode Island Comic Con with Jason and Steve from Ghost Hunters. What's going on, guys? Not too much, man. How, how's everything? It's going well, man. It's going well. How you doing, man? Good. It's uh, been a fun uh, weekend so far. Yeah, we just saw your panel. You guys were great. So Oh, that, uh, the room seemed uh, way too small. I guess they had to turn away a couple hundred fans, so. It was a very intimate setting, so. Yes, yes, it was uh, definitely a little congested in there. <laughs> yeah, but we got to hear some like funny backstories from you guys, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah, we've I have endless material on Steve. Yeah, he does. Uh, he always comes up with these stories and every time I head I'm like Things I wish I never told Jay. Like it just keeps <laughs> right, happening. Right, right, right. Or you never did to Jay. So. <laughs> well, I have a couple questions just, just briefly because I don't want to take up too much of your time. So one of the episodes that you guys aired a while ago was the house in Harrisville that The Conjuring was, was based off of. Um, we actually interviewed Andrea Parent a while back. Um, obviously, she lived in the house as she was one of the kids. I, is that an invest investigation that took longer than it, it seemed? Because I know in the panel you guys said that sometimes you're there for a couple days. Were you there for a, a couple days or just one night? No, uh, the, con- the, the Conjuring House, we were there for multiple days, and uh, we kept on going back and forth. And, yeah, and we know Andrea, uh, of right, course, yeah. the, the family that originally had all those those strange things that went on. Um, we just we didn't get a lot of things that really happened at that location, mm-hmm. and a lot of that story was really blown way out of proportion. And Andrea will tell you that herself. Oh, the movie was totally oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, and well, and some of the books that were written about it as well. So, I was just curious because I know that sometimes they don't show everything in the episode, and I was just curious as to if there's anything that you found that stuck out to you when you were there. Do you remember anything that? See, I didn't watch the actual episode because we lived the investigation, so it's tough to see. You know, a week or two of our lives get cut down to a 43-minute segment. 
So a lot of times we don't actually watch the show. We'll just watch the cuts to make sure that most of the stuff's showing up in it. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't remember, to be honest, any of the specific activity or lack of when we were there. Okay. Um, it, it gets hard because when we were filming, you know, we did, God, you know, so many places they kind of melt together. They blend together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Um, one of the other questions I did have, it was asked on the panel too, was the, the lad school. Um, yep. And that's something, that you, now you guys said you had been there, but was there ever an investigation done there where you, you did or didn't find anything? I know you said it was unstable. We had gone in there a few times and, and caught some weird things, voices, sounds, but the problem is the building was also full of animals. You okay. had to deal with raccoons and things that were inside as well, let alone other rodents, squirrels, mice. Um, so you're dealing with a lot of contamination issues, let alone a lot of health issues and safety right. issues. Floors that are missing missing parts where you can fall 10 feet down to the pipes in the bottom, um, asbestos tiling. Yep. So it's just it really an unsafe an unsafe location. So you, I would have to say in that kind of a situation, broken windows and everything else, it's just so much contamination that you don't know what's what's possibly paranormal or what's being made by, by something that might be residing in there. And were the voices that they that you heard, were they friendly? Was it anything, like, could you make out anything or it was just no, sounds? No, and that's the problem. The windows are cracked and everything else. For all we know, it could have been other kids that were around the building on the outside and the sounds bleeding in. Okay. So, and and that's, that's the big issue when you're dealing with a building that's open to the elements. Right. Because you never know what's truly, what's possibly paranormal or what is just contamination. Okay. And uh, one more question that I just I did have for you is, have you guys ever been on an investigation where, uh, not because of the stability of the of the place that you're at, uh, but because of what is there, like the, the, the spirits there or the energy that's there, that you felt that it was unsafe for your team, where it, it wasn't a good idea to be there? Uh, yeah, we, we have had some circumstances. There was a case where we showed up and there were some squatters in the building um, and we thought maybe we got them all out, but we weren't sure, so we uh, we, we didn't do that investigation. Are you yeah. talking ghost-wise? Yeah, yeah, like like, like, like spiritual-wise. Like, is there anything oh. that made you feel like we, you yeah, know, it's maybe too Maine, too strong had, of an energy? Yeah. Skogie in Maine, we had furniture moving around on its own. We had uh, well, a birdcage come shaking across the house. That was a negative entity case. That case, actually, were, they were bringing priests in from the churches to, oh, wow. to work at. But we got stuck there during a blizzard. And okay. we literally were there for four days because we couldn't get out. Um, so and that was kind of a creepy case. I mean, that's the same case where the father ended up losing his finger with the door jam. Yeah, door the door slams. closed on him right in front of us, removed his finger. Oh, my so, God. So, uh, yeah, that case you definitely didn't feel safe because you didn't know where you could sit that you'd be safe. Right. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you guys are busy. You got a line here, but uh, yeah. thank you for taking the time to talk to us. It was Thank super you, nice. Sir. Thank you, guys. Yeah, nice to talk to you.